0: is todd mcclellan the right coach to get the la kings where they want to be we'll talk about it next on this edition of locked on la kings you are locked on kings your daily podcast on the los angeles kings part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Hey, Kings fans. Welcome to Lockdown LA Kings, your team every day. Thanks for making On LA Kings your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. On today's episode of On LA Kings, we look at Kings head coach Todd McClellan and his staff and the job they've done so far with the Kings and are they the right people to take the Kings where they want to be, which is to win another Stanley Cup. Also, with this being a Friday, we will read some of your emails. My name is Eddie Garcia. I'm your host of Lockdown LA Kings. I've worked in sports media for almost 30 years. For the past 20 plus years, I've been at the Fox Sports Radio Network where I'm a co-host, sidekick, reporter, and NHL insider. I'm also co-host of the Puck Podcast, a weekly NHL review show that's been putting out content for the past 16 years and a passionate LA Kings fan for the past 30 years. Todd McClellan is entering his fourth season as LA Kings head coach. He was hired by GM Rob Blake on April 16th of 2019 now Blake played for McClellan in San Jose so he's obviously very familiar and comfortable with him as his first hire as head coach now McClellan guided the Sharks to the Western Conference Finals twice in 2010 and 2011 he also won at least 50 games three times and three Pacific Division titles in seven seasons in San Jose he followed that up with a less than successful four season stint in Edmonton with the Oilers making the playoffs once in 14 initial seasons as a head coach McClellan's teams have made the playoffs Eight times. As far as his time so far in Los Angeles, McClellan's first season with the Kings saw the team post a 29 35 6 record in a 70 game COVID shortened season. Kings were seventh in the Pacific and missed the playoffs. The next year, another COVID affected season. The Kings were 21 28 7 in 56 games. They finished sixth in the West. And missed the playoffs last season. Though McClellan and the Kings finally broke through, finally played a full 82 game schedule, going 44 27 and 11 to finish third in the Pacific Division and make the playoffs. Of course, losing in seven games to the Edmonton Oilers. McClellan has an overall record with the Kings of 94 90 and 24. And I know the COVID affected seasons make it makes it a little bit wonky as far as you're trying to project the Kings over an 82 game season. Uh, but the Kings had very similar seasons in those first two years. But last year, of course, a major step forward uh, with McClellan and the Kings. And you know, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and critique uh, necessarily his coaching style. Although um, I, I know that some people think that maybe he's a little bit too rigid in. Sticking with his lines, um, you know. I think there are some out there who, who like those coaches that really mix it up when things aren't going well. I actually am the, on the other side of that. I, I like a coach that, when he has seen success with a group of players, sticks with those players for the most part. Um, now, obviously, you've got to be versatile sometimes. And yeah, sometimes you do need to put the, the lines in a blender if things are getting stale. But I think overall, players prefer to know who their line mates are. Who their defensive partners are, and more often than not, you you get chemistry uh, when you when you play with you know the same guys a lot. We saw that especially with the top two lines. It was almost all year long. Kopitar, Kempe, and Iafalo. Uh, it was almost all year long, except for when Arbison was hurt. Dano, Arbison, and more. Um, and of course, you did have to mix things up with the injuries on the blue line. But I'm I'm more of a of a of a fan uh, of coaches who more often than not, if they see success, are going to stick with the players that have had success because of that chemistry that they build up with each other. Occasionally you mix it up, but it does for me, those coaches that at the drop of a hat mix up the lines during a game. Sometimes it works. I don't know. I think it's a little overrated, but that's me personally. Um, As far as Todd McClellan's structure. um, I know that he's obviously very defensive minded. Um, Drew Dowdy in the exit interview this year was talking about how, the young defensemen uh, came up and were able to kind of quickly incorporate themselves into the system. And he credited Todd McClellan with basically, I don't know if, his, if simplicity of the system is the right term, but how... It's very regimented in that in certain situations, you know that every time you're supposed to do X, Y, and Z, there's not a lot of room for interpretation or improvisation. Uh, It's very structured, and in that way, it's very easy for players to come in and kind of fit in and learn what to do. Uh, pretty quickly um, certainly you have to get acclimated to the NHL level and and there's there's other nuances that you only get once you've been in the league for a while but I, I did think that, that was interesting that Drew Dowdy talked about kind of the simplicity of his system how he makes it easy for players to know what their roles and their responsibilities are um, once they get on the ice it's it's really kind of a paint-by-numbers kind of a thing the thing that I liked really about Todd McClellan from this past year was right after the season ended And a lot of people kind of um, I don't know maybe they took it the wrong way a little bit but I didn't. Uh, After the the Kings lost in Game Seven, Todd McClellan had pretty much turned the page immediately and was ready for the next season. It was setting the tone for the next season. And there you know, look, I did not think the Kings were going to make the playoffs last year. They absolutely uh exceeded my expectations and the expectations of most in the hockey world, and maybe some some people were like, "You know what, man, we just took a, a a probably a better team with the best player in the world to seven games um you know we made the playoffs, we took a major step forward um and and maybe it's time to kind of feel good about what we just accomplished and I'm not saying Tom McClellan doesn't want the King's players to feel good about what they did last season, but he said. This doesn't mean anything if it if we if it doesn't lead to something better. This doesn't mean anything if we don't, you know, because a lot of people talked about oh the Kings and these young players, they gained valuable experience. And he was saying, that's great, but if it doesn't lead to them taking another step forward, if it doesn't lead to us as a team building off this, then what we did last year doesn't mean anything. And I loved how he immediately wanted the players to know um okay fine what we did was was great but it's now about building on this it's about next season and he did that right away right after the game wanted to set that message wanted to let the players know yes we exceeded expectations in the eyes of some people but we are far from satisfied by just making the playoffs this is a team that we want to build that makes the playoffs every year and once they get in the playoffs challenges for a stanley cup and Again, I loved that mindset. I know that when Rob Blake hired Todd McClellan, he said he wanted a coach that was going to hold the players accountable. And he's not maybe a old-school taskmaster like Daryl Sutter, for example, but he is demanding. He does uh, send a clear message to his players, and I, I loved what he did after that Game 7 and in the days following before the team kind of broke up and went their separate ways. Already setting the tone for this coming season. And he has said the expectations now are going to be greater. The pressure is now going to be greater. And the the players need to start preparing for that now for next season. So I love that message. I know that uh, the Kings, I think going into this year, there's a lot of optimism. And I think there's, because of what Todd McClellan said, I think they're going to be a pretty solid focus for them to, again, it's great that they took a step last season, but now it's about, making the most out of that experience and taking the next step this season. And I, I thought topic McCullen did a very g- good job of sending that message very early after the Kings uh, concluded last season. did want to mention real quick, as far as the coaching staff as well, uh, assistant Trent Yanni is back for his fourth season in LA running the team's defense. Uh, he was an assistant for two seasons with McClellan in San Jose and also for one season in Edmonton as well. So this is a guy that Todd McClellan is very comfortable with. Uh, Yanni guided an offensive core that obviously suffered a lot of injuries last season. Drew Doughty missed 43 games in uh, all the playoffs. Sean Walker only played in six games at, last season. Mikey Anderson, Alex Edler also missing some time. Um, and I think Trent Yanni did a great job of incorporating players uh, into the lineup that, that you know hadn't had a lot of NHL experience Sean Dursey, Jordan Spence, Jacob Moverari, these guys all came in and played at a pretty high level defensively um, while learning to play at the NHL level. I think that's a credit to Trent Yanni and Todd McClellan and their philosophy defensively uh, that these guys were able to come in kind of seamlessly and pick up what the Kings were doing right away and be able to help the Kings to make it into the playoffs uh, when, when those kinds of injuries that we had, especially to a guy like Drew Doughty could have been devastating to other teams. So I think Trent Yanni has certainly showed himself that he's a guy that is very capable in handling the defensive staff. And uh, there's a lot of talent there for him to work with and, and looking for the Kings decor to continue to play the way they have uh, over the last season and beyond the real intriguing new member of the staff this year is Jim Hiller. Uh, He has come in to run the teams forwards and, in particular, help the uh, Kings underachieving power play. Uh, Hiller comes from the New York Islanders, where he had the 12th-ranked power play this past season. If you don't know, the Kings were ranked 27th. Um, Hiller has been assistant and ran power plays in the past in places like Detroit and Toronto before joining the Islanders. Um so a lot of optimism about this new voice coming in, a guy who's had success in other places to get that King's power play going because that's a very, very important piece of the King's success for the upcoming season. Now the, the there was made the room was made for Jim Hiller because of the promotion slash demotion for Marco's Sturm. And I thought the Kings handled this very well. I think they they realized there was an opportunity here for kind of a win-win situation. With Marco Sturm, uh, if you don't know, Marco Sturm has been a guy who there's been a lot of buzz around him being a potential head coach at some point, um, and, and they kept him on the staff. He was originally with John Stevens' staff, and they kept him as, an, as a holdover, I think, because of the way the organization feels about him, that they think that he has some innovative things that he does and that it, uh, he's, he's head coaching material at some point, although it's not now. And we mentioned the power play did not work under Marco Sturm last year. The Kings need that to improve to get where they want to go for next season and the coming season. So how can we make this work while keeping Marco Sturm in the system? And it's like, all right, let's give him head coaching experience in Ontario with the rain at the AHL level. He gets head coaching experience there, and we bring in someone who we think can help with the power play now so I think it's a win-win. Is it kind of a demotion in a way? Well, yeah, he's going from a higher level, the NHL, down to the AHL, but he's elevating up from an assistant coach to a head coach. So I thought, great move by the Kings organization, Rob Blake and, and Luke Robitaille, uh, to make this into uh, kind of a positive while also improving, hopefully improving, uh, the Kings Uh, at the NHL level with Jim Hiller coming in to help out on the power play and you get Marco Sturm. Now he's getting the head coaching experience that he may need if he's going to eventually be a head coach at the NHL level. Also got to mention Bill Ranford. Uh, I did not know that uh, this is going to be his 16th season as the Kings goaltending coach. Uh, He came in in 2006-2007 under Mark Crawford and has been here ever since, which obviously speaks uh, well to the way he's worked with uh, Kings goaltenders, including Jonathan Quick. Um, the, under Ranford, uh, Kings goalies have won the Jennings Trophy twice for the lowest goals against average in the NHL. And when he came into the Kings, their goaltenders were Matthew Garon, Dan Cloutier, and Sean Burke. Uh, so Bill Ranford has been around. Uh, like I said, I had no idea he had been the goaltending coach for the Kings for that long. Um, but clearly, uh, he has uh, done a good job with the Kings goaltenders Um, and, uh, we'll see the, his big task, as I mentioned, and I, uh, people probably think I'm a Cal Peterson whipping boy, I'm really not. But I think his big task is to finally see if we can find out if Cal Peterson is going to be a number one goalie for the Kings, uh, now or in the near future, um, Cal needs to get his numbers up and uh challenge for that number one job, if not take over that number one job, as much as we all love Jonathan quick, uh, and, and want him to play well as well. Um that is the task for Bill Ranford now in his sixteenth season or, or uh, coming into his sixteenth season as King's goaltending coach. So again, just looking at the staff, looking at Todd McClellan, um, I kind of I, I feel pretty good about the coaching staff. I am again, I'm really excited and intrigued about the addition of Jim Hiller. I am very excited and intrigued to see how he improves the King's power play because frankly it has nowhere to go but up. Um you would think having Drew Doughty for a full season certainly could help that as well, but um excited about that addition. Um, and, you know, is, is this staff, and in particular, is Todd McClellan the guy to get the Kings where they want to be, which is to win a Stanley Cup? I, I, I really think that he is. Um, he had a lot of success in San Jose. The Kings seem to be improving under him. Obviously, he's getting more talent, and there is more pressure for him to perform. But I love the message he sent, like I said, right after the Kings' season ended last year. Uh, I think he's a guy that's very focused. He holds his players accountable, he's demanding um, without being, you know, overbearing. Um and, and you think, well, you know, he's been a head coach for a while and he's never won a Stanley Cup as a head coach, but he has won a cup as an assistant coach back in Detroit in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. So he has been a part of a Stanley Cup winning team uh, and has had his role in winning a Stanley Cup as a coach. So I, I, I I'm optimistic about the staff. I think Todd McClellan is a guy that can get the Kings where they want to go. Um and so that's that's the look at the uh, LA Kings coaching staff. If you agree, disagree, have any thoughts Uh, The email address is LockedOnEddie at gmail.com. E-D-D-I-E, LockedOnEddie at gmail.com. If you want to place a wager on the LA Kings to win the Stanley Cup next season, BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, Combat Sports, eSports, even golf. Head to BetOnline or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today, BetOnline where the game starts well it is a Friday that means it's time to check in on some listener emails and our first email comes from Mike in Camarillo and uh, he wants to defend Alex Iafalo a little bit Uh, he says Alex Iafalo is my favorite player and to me he has been a great find for the organization Iafalo's first three years he improved each year in goals and points 2021 wasn't a full season due to COVID, and he still managed a half point per game. Last season wasn't a bad season either, although some have critiqued it. He played all over the lineup and was basically a half point player again. I still see him as a very versatile player. You can insert up and down the lineup. Uh, He is difficult to play against. He picks off pucks and is tenacious on the forecheck. Remember when he was on the first line uh, and he was going up against other teams' top players as well. Uh, Iafalo is also rarely injured. We need more players like that on the Kings. He can play on the power player, the penalty kill. He's extremely reliable. He can give you secondary scoring, and is a great teammate. Uh, they even had him wearing a letter with other assistant captains, or when other assistant captains were injured last year. Maybe his offensive point totals are a little low compared to other $4 million a year players, but he brings so many other intangibles to the table, and that's why he's worth the money he makes. I hear a lot of people talking about trading him to dump his salary, but I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think Ayafalo has reached his offensive ceiling yet. I am predicting he scores over 50 points next year. So that is Mike and Camarillo kind of sticking up a little bit for Alex Ayafalo. And I, I don't want anyone to think, by the way, I don't like Alex Ayafalo. I, I I do like Alex Ayafalo. I think he's a he can be a very valuable player for the LA Kings. But I think the reality is, um, and and it's not his fault, but he was put in a role where it was going to be difficult for him to succeed or to live up to the standard that 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 people set for a top line player. He's not a top line player. He did the best he could in the role he was asked to uh, fulfill, playing with uh, with Andrei Kopitar and with Adrian Kempe. But there's a reason the Kings went out and got. Kevin Fiala uh, it's to play that top line winger role that Alex I follow just isn't suited for. I think he's a solid second line player. I think he's a phenomenal third line player, but as far as you know, the talk of, of, of him being traded, it's not so much. I don't believe an indictment of his skills per se. It's just that we have younger, cheaper players who probably could put up the same number of points as Alex Iafalo if given the opportunity. Now, uh, Mike does bring up a good point. that It's not all about the numbers. Alex Iafalo does do a lot of other things that uh, don't show up in your basic goals, assists, points, totals, per, perhaps. And and look, I think he is a good teammate. I think he I does give you an honest effort every game. Uh, and again, I am rooting for Alex Iafalo. But there is a reason why his name has come up. Because like I said, there are some cheaper, younger uh, options that the Kings might be able to use. And then if they did move Alex I they could spend the money that they've been spending on him in other areas. So um, that's why his name has come up in those trade talks. It's not necessarily an indictment of his skills. Um, But like I said, he was put in a position where it was difficult for him. I don't think he's a top-line player. I think he proved that last year. But I do think he's a solid second-line player, a great third-line player. And uh, you need those types of players to get to where the Kings want to be. So Mike, thank you for that, uh, for that email about Alex I follow. Our next email comes from Steven Ventura. And he says, you asked who we love to hate most, which to me is different than who is the team's biggest rival. My answer for hate the most is the Golden Knights. They got too far, too fast, and too cocky. Their fans got entitled and have not earned a winning team yet by going through years of suffering. As for the biggest rival, I would say it's probably a tie between the Sharks and Ducks. Sure, the players probably don't have the hate that they used to for Perry and the crew, but the fans still hate each other, and uh, the same goes for the Sharks. Logan Couture is probably the only guy left to hate, but the NoCal versus SoCal is real, and as you mentioned, the playoff meetings really drove that rivalry too. Thanks for the great pod. Again, that was Steve in Ventura. Uh yeah, like I said, um, my wife feels exactly the same way you do, Steve, and I think a lot of other Kings fans, and, and frankly, uh, hockey fans as well. In that, uh, the Golden Knights fans got a little bit too big for their britches, uh, to use something that my grandma might say. Um, and but it's hard to blame them, though. Honestly, I mean, if you get a new team and they're that good, that fast, it's kind of hard not to be a bit cocky. But you're right. I think a lot of people do feel like the Golden Knights fans haven't kind of earned their place, so to speak um and a lot of a lot of fans including my wife uh feel exactly the way you do steve Uh, another email kind of on that subject comes from eric and i know he listens with his daughter anna uh they're in las vegas and he says i thought i would give you my thoughts on the most hated team although I do hate all the teams you mentioned on the show i have to say i hate the golden knights the most First, because I'm originally from Los Angeles and a lifelong Kings fan, and I now live in Las Vegas for financial convenience. Uh, when I moved here in 2005, Vegas was mostly a Kingstown, but since 2018, almost everyone has turned to the Golden Knights, and I hate all the turncoats. I hope they lose every game. <laughs> Love the show. Go Kings, go. That is Eric with his daughter, Anna, uh, in Las Vegas. Yeah, I I, uh, I imagine you're right. That is true. Uh, Vegas was a Kingstown uh, in a lot of ways. And the Kings would play, uh, remember they had the, uh, Oh God, I can't believe I'm forgetting it. They had that rivalry matchup where they played Colorado every year in Vegas. And I know a lot of fans loved going there, uh, and, 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 uh, watching that game. And there were a lot of people in Vegas who rooted for the Kings. So you, you are correct. There were a lot of Kings fans who unfortunately turned to the dark side. Although I got to be honest, it's kind of hard to blame them when you get a team of your own and they're right there in your town. It's a little understandable, but, uh, The hate for the Golden Knights is real amongst Kings fans, and and I do understand it. Our last email comes from Dave, and he said, I just listened to your podcast reviewing Blake's trades. He says, you were going over the LA Kings' different promotional nights, and you questioned Pi Night, spelled P-I. It's because it's March 14th, because of Pi. Pi is 3.14, March 14th, 3.14, Pi Night. Keep up the great work, really like the show. And again, that was from Dave. Dave. Yeah, Dave, um, I'm going to be honest. I think Pi night is a little too cute for my tastes. Uh, Of course, I also will have to admit that uh, math is my kryptonite. It was never my friend growing up, although I do use it occasionally when I have to tabulate the statistics and and things like that. But yeah, I I would much prefer if it were PIE night over PI night. But yes, I I get the joke. Um, I'm not laughing at it. But uh, I guess I guess some people are. But yes, Pie Night was intentional. It wasn't misspelled. I was trying to be a little bit funny, although I didn't I didn't quite understand what they were going for. But yeah, can we can we get a Pie Night P I E Night as well? I would really enjoy Pie Night. Uh, hey, just a reminder that the Locked On NHL podcast has you covered for all your league wide NHL talk with a rotating cast of local hosts from the Locked On NHL channels breaking down the biggest stories in hockey five days a week. Subscribe for free on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube. Wanted to give you a quick World Junior Championship update. Kings prospect Helga Grands and Team Sweden rolled over Austria earlier today 6-0 to improve to 2-0 in the tournament. Grands, a Kings second-round pick in 2020, picked up another assist, his second point of the tournament so far. No the Kings prospects are going to be in action on Saturday if you're looking to watch some hockey over the weekend, but both Grands uh, and Team Sweden, as well as Finland and Kings prospect Simon, sorry, Kasper Simon Tavall, and Samuel Hellenis, uh, they will all be on the ice on Sunday. Finland is playing an 11 a.m. Pacific time game, and Sweden will play at 7 p.m. Uh, against the United States. Uh, all those games are on the NHL network and streaming on FUBU TV and Sling TV as well. We did not play Name That King uh, this week. Got a little bit busy with the content, so maybe we'll get it in next week. However, I do want to let you guys know that I have scheduled several interviews for next week's show. We are gonna we we've, we've talked about the Kings' players, we've talked about the prospects, we've talked about the general manager, we've talked about the scouting department, and we talked about the head coach and his staff. Now, what is left to talk about? Well, how about let's talk about the opponents for the LA Kings next season, and in particular, uh, our rivals in the Pacific Division. So, uh, all next week, we've got different interviews lined up with um, the other Locked On hosts for the Sharks and the Golden Knights and the Ducks and the Flames and the Oilers, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. So excited about that coming up. Look for that coming up on uh, next week's podcast. To keep up to date on this show and what's going on with the LA Kings, please follow us on Twitter. We are at LockedOnLAKings. If you would like to send me an email with any comments and we will read them on next Friday's show, uh, at least we'll try to uh, the email address is locked on Eddie at gmail.com. E D D I E locked on Eddie at gmail.com. Thanks for making locked on LA Kings. Your first listen every day. Now consider making your second listen locked on NHL locked on experts. Give you a daily 30 minute podcast of all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world with locked on NHL, your daily 30 minute NHL podcast. Thank you as always for listening and for watching on YouTube to locked on LA Kings. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. I'm Eddie Garcia. Go Kings go.